Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. We were watching a play yesterday. A Word of Life did an awesome play, the In Between. Um, and it was awesome because, you know, um, cross is a real thing. And it's, um, I would encourage everybody to, you know, because sometimes people say, oh, you know, cross is too gruesome or whatever it may be. The reality is this, okay? There's a lot more gruesome things on the internet, on YouTube, and it's a few clicks away. You think you can protect them from everything? It's hard. But if there's one thing you can teach is the power of the cross and what it did. And I can guarantee you, you are not going to have, their children will not have nightmares, but they need to know the price that was paid for them. And I believe every parent has a, every good approach, but I encourage people to not leave out the details because that's our life. That is our life. That is one death. That's one of the most important deaths that brought us life. And, uh, but as we're watching this play and, you know, and it was amazing. And then there was a scene where, uh, Jesus goes to hell and, uh, there's two swords and they're fighting. <laughs> we're sitting right in the front row and then, and then Jesus like just conquers him and just, you know, hits him and the devil just falls. And Ryan was like, and the winner is <laughs> right in the front row. Jesus, 100 points. <laughs> It was so amazing. I was like, that's my son. I'm proud of him. Oh, amazing. Amazing. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I want us to feel relaxed. I know that some people, for, for some people, it's first time visiting. For some people, it's, you know, one of the occasions. Uh, but I want you to feel comfortable, okay? And uh, help me preach by being engaged. Because, you know, I, I understand some people probably would not, not even want to be here. And it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll let the Holy Spirit do the work. We are here to honor our Lord and Savior, by His grace. We are here because of Him, okay? I can count so many times on my hands is not enough where I knew that my life could have ended, where I knew that I could have been in that car accident, where I knew that would have happened, but I was saved, but I was spared. There's a reason you are here today. Every one of us is because, like I like to say, if you're not dead, God's not done. God has us in this season for a purpose. God has brought us in this moment for his purpose, to magnify his name and to shine his light. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 8. It will be on the screen. If you want to follow there, or you can write it down or open your phone. You're, you can use your phone in the church. <laughs> as long as don't let those Facebook notifications or Instagram notifications come up and distract you, okay? Because keep in mind, the devil's always trying to steal those seeds, all right? <laughs> so silence them. There's an awesome feature, by the way. I've learned uh, early on, at least in my iPhone, you can go and turn off the notifications. So you don't have to keep seeing all these notifications popping up, okay? Anyways, Mark chapter 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone? Just fascinating. It's still going. 
And they're like, We're gonna, we got our spices, but who's going to roll away the stone? We're still going. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. It's very important. Mark's pointing out it was very large. Verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in white robe. And they were alarmed. See, what happens when you first encounter the Lord? We catch us off guard. We all be alarmed. And it's okay. Verse 6. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who, who, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. <laughs> He's not here in this dead place. See the place where they laid him. But go. So here it is. But go tell his disciples and Peter. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. That he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Just as he told you. Jesus said it. He delivers. He means what he says. And they went out and fled from the tomb. And I'm thinking today, I wonder what are we running from today? This world is constantly running. Okay? Sometimes when life disappoints our expectations, we find ourselves running from the very place we came to look for God. Verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, trembling, and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. And in original context, that's how it ends. There's no further verses. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. But turn to your neighbor. You know I'm going to do it. <laughs> and give him the title of my message. Say, it can end like this. Say it with confidence. Say, it can end like this. It can end like this. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's the title of my message. Lord, we pray that you would illuminate the word of God for us, Lord. We're here to receive. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just move upon this word, Lord. And in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. I remember early in a marriage um, watching one of my favorite movies, The Gladiator. Um, yeah. <laughs> but me and Larissa like different kind of movies. Uh, she likes, you know, the kind of endings where... They both end up on the beach, you know, together, and it's great. I like those, too. I try to avoid those because I don't want anybody to see me crying, you know. <laughs> but generally, I like the kind of endings where, like, everybody's dead in the end. You know, like, realistic ones. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but I guess that's just, I like the reality more, possibly. But so as we're watching this movie, right, uh, towards the end, and Gladiator's having his last fight, and... Uh, and I'm like nearly in tears, you know, because I have a soul. <laughs> then I look over to Larissa, you know, and she's nearly rolling her eyes. And then says, well, that was a dumb ending. <laughs> it's my favorite movie, you know. It's probably the only time I was questioning my marriage. Like, who did I marry? <laughs> But then she said something that was profound, and it stuck in my brain. And it actually came back and, uh, years later for a title of a message. And she said, it can't end like this. She's like, it can't end like this? 
That's how it is a lot of times. You, you know, nowadays, I guess, sometimes they do alternative endings. In movie, you can go to the menu and select an alternative, alternative ending. Uh, for those people that just cannot take reality. <laughs> I like that. It's smart. Good marketing approach. But Mark decides to end the story with a suspense, you know, and it says, and they were all afraid. And Apostle Mark, I think, would have enjoyed watching Russian movies because, honestly, 90% of the Russian movies, like, end with somebody dying. And uh, I don't know. Just I remember one time the producer was in Hollywood and they were interviewing him. And they're like, why does your movies, they're, he's one of the top, you know, producers of movies, and they're like, why does your movies always end, uh, you know, in, in death or somebody dying? He's like, we don't go soft. We end them in reality. You know, life is no joke. And it's true. <laughs> life is no joke. But um, for some reason, Mark in here decides to end it with such an emphasis. And I think there's a purpose behind it. And um, if we're reading the four accounts of gospel, right, it's like having four different authors writing the same story. Matthew, Luke, and John, we do see an appearance of a resurrected Christ at the end. But in Mark, we don't see that. There's only an announcement. It says, hey, y'all go to the Galilee, to the other side. And uh, I want to touch real quick about faith because a lot of it, this, today's message is going to be about faith. And uh, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, you can just quickly look up. I'm going to quote three uh, passages about faith. It says, now faith is substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So somebody sometimes tells you, you're crazy. Well, you're believing things that don't exist or you don't see. You know, but that's how faith works. Faith is substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Another translation of word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith. And not by sight, okay? We walk by faith, not by sight. So we see here that Mark's gospel ends in kind of unsatisfactory matter. But in your own Bible, if you're looking up, uh, even if you're using an app or whatever, depending on translation, it will have a moment it will say, you may see verse, it, it, some of you will actually have verse 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, but uh, these were added much more later by second century scribes it almost seems like they were saying like hey how he can't end like this okay um, but I think Mark wanted to capture what people felt at that moment okay it's easy you know to quote Romans 8 28 say that all things were together for good after they passed but when you're in the middle of it it's really hard and Mark's gospel is very action-packed so I believe Mark would have done a amazing uh, movie producer and I believe there's a reason he did that and it ends on this kind of uncertainty and fear and what we often fear or or what happens when we as soon as we hit a very difficult time in our life and, and then yet I think as believers there's a tendency sometimes for us to to want to make faith uh, something that it's not and this might be the reason sometimes people outside of faith or might not go to church regularly um, sometimes get a wrong idea about the nature of faith. Um, if you talk with some of the people, they, they think that faith is mainly a, a matter of imagination, you know, um, or an ability to suspend reality. Like, you know, oh, that's how faith works. You guys just like, huh, I don't care what happens around me. Well, kind of, yes. But to me, faith is not a matter of imagination. 
Uh, to me, faith is a matter of interpretation. Uh, for me, faith is not a denial of reality, but it's a deeper reality that governs the way I live. Uh, we see this in a demonstration of faith in Mark's gospel, that faith is not always visible. Uh, but just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not there. Amen? Amen. Nowadays, I have a good explanation. Like Wi-Fi, can you see it? I'm like, no, but it's there, right? <laughs> so no, somebody next time tells me, show me love. I'm like, well, can you actually show physically love? You can only express it, right? But love is there. It's very powerful. And the greatest, God is love. He's full of love and mercy and grace. And today I pray that the Holy Spirit, God's love, would just wrap your heart in every angle and show you how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. Amen? And I think it's so profound that the greatest demonstration of God's power came in the moment when Jesus wasn't there. It just kind of hit me. Um, the greatest demonstration of God's power was the absence in the place where a woman came looking for him. Okay? God often does some of his deepest work and things that we don't see. We sing this song, even when I don't think that you're working, you never stop working. Because God always works all things together for good. And he's going to find a way to every heart. I believe that. God will open up a door to every person. Even if there's people that you've prayed for and believed for, God will find a way to move upon them and he will use you. Amen. Because we are here, the carriers of good news. Um, so it can't end like this. Tell somebody, say, it can't end like this. All right. Stay, stay with me. So first point I want to point out, point out in faith, oftentimes what happens is frustration. But it can't end in frustration. Sometimes our faith does leave us in the place of frustration. And I, feel, I think that... This is the kind of atmosphere that we're seeing here in Mark 16, uh, that uh, these women were in an atmosphere of frustration. They're walking, they're discouraged, you know, two Marys and Salome, they're walking, and they brought spices, and they're heading to the tomb, okay? There's a sense of frustration that is happening, but that's all right. And then I'm thinking, you know, who's missing, right? I remember Peter I love Peter, and uh, a lot of times I look at Peter, and first we can say, ah, oh, Peter, what an extreme guy. He first grab, dra grabs a sword in, this, you know, in the garden, uh, and then he flees. Um, but when he was in the garden, you know, he drew a sword. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, I feel Peter was a very realistic guy. While he had strength, you know, he had strength as long as he was in control of the situation, as long as he could see it, right? So Jesus is there. I can see it. I can do something about it. But I wanted to point out, these women, though, um, didn't draw swords in the garden. They had a different kind of strength. So these women wa walking with their spices, maybe that's where their girls band, Spice Girls, they got their idea. I mean, I would not be surprised. A lot of uh, popular bands get their name. Rolling Stones. I wonder where that came from. God is the original <laughs> at all things. Amen. So these girls are walking, you know, in the middle of their disappointment. And they go to the place where Jesus died, where their dream died. And I'm thinking, who's missing? Where's Peter waving his sword, you know, talking loud? <laughs> By the way, have you noticed that people often that talk the loudest aren't the most loyal? Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, it's, easy, it's Easter, and I'm giving you dating advice, bonus material. But uh, where's Peter, right, um, to help them roll away the stone? Because, I mean, Mark does point out in 16.4 that it was a very large stone, and they can't do it by themselves. They have the spices, but they don't have strength. And, um, and I'm thinking here, I, brought, I was brought back to Peter again, who's going to preach in 50 days at a day of Pentecost. So 50 days from that moment, and I'm thinking, he is so disappointed, he can't even show his face. And I, here I realize that the greater the faith, the deeper the disappointment often. This is why people often nowadays, if you talk to them, they don't have hope. We're so quick to give up. We don't allow faith to develop. Oftentimes we feel like, you know, we, we expect faith to work like, Amazon Prime, like, Lord, I have faith, do it. If you don't do it, I have no faith. But I think it's mainly a defense mechanism against disappointment. And I want to point that out because if you don't risk, you don't have to be vulnerable, okay? Um, but faith is vulnerable uh, because it puts you in the place of need. It puts you uh, in the state of expectation. And that's what, what I'm saying is faith does that, Right? Faith causes you, though, to take a step forward. It causes you to step out of the boat into uncertainty. Peter did that with the boat, right? It's comfortable to be there. But then he's like, Lord, if that's you, I'm coming to you. And I love that about Peter. Again, and today the Lord is just reflecting in my spirit. And I'm praying. I'm thinking, I'm like, Lord, a lot of us are Peters. <laughs> we've promised Jesus so many times we're going to do this. And we're going to follow him. And then we disappoint him. And then we deny him whenever it's convenient for us and things like that. But man, God loves Peter so much. He loves us so much. But I'm just imagining Peter, you know, standing there thinking, you know, at the cost of the discipleship and, and the shadow of the cross and what just happened. He probably thought, you know, this is, this is probably the end. This could be the end. I always, the only part that always fascinates me and I question it is because their pain was so heavy that they oversaw the fact that Jesus told them numerous, several times, I will be resurrected. I will come back to life. But they never seen that before. They're like, what is that? You know, that's, that's, is that metaphorically or what, what are you talking about, Jesus? But anyways, but these women, right, they're still walking. Peter's in discouragement and despair. I can't imagine other disciples. But these women are walking with their spices and thinking, who will roll the stone away? But I got good news for all, all of us today. It's Resurrection Sunday. Amen? God is already working out what you're worried about. God is already working out. God is already has your miracle in motion. If you just take the step of faith, God is already rolling the stone. The Bible says when they got there, not only was the stone rolled away, right? But there was a young man sitting on a stone. And most theologians believe it was an angel, obviously, because of you sitting in white robes. Um, and the reason he sat down on the rock, I always was wondering about him. Like, what, what's the emphasis on that? Because I don't think he was tired from rolling the stone. Uh, you know, I'm sure that angel had an excellent cardio. I mean, he's an angel, you know. But he sat down because in Jewish customs, it's kind of interesting. When I looked into it, when teacher was ready to teach, he would sit in place of authority. So that was, 
that was a message, okay? And they knew it, like angel is sitting. And I thought, wow, that's why how quickly these women picked up on it because they knew the customs. That means that's a message. You know, an angel is sitting, shows comfort, says, God's got this, amen? So in Matthew 28, too, I just want to, Add a little bit. I mean, it gives us a different take on it. It's, I would call it Alaskan version because of the earthquakes. <laughs> Matthew 22 says, and behold, there was a great earthquake. I mean, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So the message is this. While these women were walking, God was working, Right? When you bring the little faith that you have, when you bring that little bit of spices that you have, when you bring that five loaves, two fishes, what you have, a little bit, despite of any circumstances, rocks standing in your way, okay? God says, when you do what you can do, I'll do what you cannot do. And that's the kind of God who serve, amen? I always like to say it. You do your best, God does the rest. But your desire is very important. God will never force anything into your life. <laughs> it's a free gift. It's a free gift. I don't know. Nobody ever like shoved the gift. Like, you know, if, some, if you don't want it, you, just, you don't want it, right? So God wouldn't do that to you. Amen? And God is saying today, hey, despite of your troubles and everything you've been to, I'll help you raise those kids. Okay? I'll help you stay married in your marriage. I will I'll help you to make it through another week. What you couldn't get through will be rolled away. Amen? Yes. What you thought you couldn't do yesterday has already been done. The price has been paid. Because all authority, the Bible tells us, all authority, right? All power belong to Jesus. Amen? Yes. Come on. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, not to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, where? Within us. Not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. It says that it can't end like this. It's pretty much saying it can't end frustration, right? The third point I want to make is it can't end in failure. You see, when you know the director, you have a pretty good idea of how the film is going to end, right? When you know God, you know the character and how he operates. You can be in the most uncomfortable situation, and God can turn it around. We're singing that song, God turned it around. In every situation, God can turn it around. Somebody, maybe you're looking at continuously every day, Monday through Friday, looking at an annoying coworker. God can turn it around. And God may be placed you in there to start speaking life into him. Amen. God will always make a way where there seems to be no way. Right. A canon and failure. When Jesus sat down with Peter in Luke 22, 31, you don't need to bring that up. He said, Peter, you're going to fail. By the time the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Not once. Not twice. Check out this uh, King James Version says, thrice. <laughs> Amazing. But don't worry about it, Peter. I already knew your next bad decision. I'm fascinated 
God is sitting there and he's saying, Peter, I'm going to build, I'm going to build the church on you. And, and Jesus, he already knows all his bad next move and he's still speaking life into him. He's still believing. He's still believing. I started seeing, I was like, man, Lord, I have disappointed you so many times. But I keep hearing Jesus saying, Vic, I love you. I believe in you. I mean, I like to point out again, think about the times that we're living. A lot of people are in fear and discouragement. But God believes in you for you to be in this season of life. Amen? Amen. But here he is, speaking to Peter, speaking life, right? He says, Peter, I already know that you're going to deny me. But I got a job for you. I'm going to meet you on the other side of failure. Jesus knew and saw all things that were wrong with Peter. But look at that. He wasn't, he wasn't pushed back by it. God is, how many are thankful that God is not phased or shocked by our sins? How many, how many are just thankful that God is so good? I was like, God, I've, <laughs> you are amazing. Amen. So when the angel said, I'm going to meet you on the other side of Galilee, it was, it was more than just a, a geographical point. Uh, that was a statement of mission that God was doing, right? Galilee was the place where Jesus did most of his miracles. And not only that, this is so awesome, but you may recall if you read through the scripture, it was the place where he called Peter first, okay, at the Sea of Galilee when he was fishing. It was the Sea of Galilee where Peter took Jesus on the boat where Jesus was like, I like this guy. I need your boat. Give me your boat. Jesus is saying that today. He's like, I like your boat. Let me hop in, right? But look what happened with Peter. You know, I love, if you get a chance to watch The Chosen, the moment that they did a scene with Peter is so amazing. And it was still early in their development, The Chosen series. If you ever want to watch it's the stories of Jesus. Where, <laughs> and it, they, they put it in the portrayal that Peter is in debt and he's just like, he needs to pay off, you know, like he's got a fishing quota. He's disappointed. And Jesus meets him in that moment. And it's so beautiful. And he says, why don't you do it again? He's like, I'm a fisherman. Like, no, throw your nets again. And he does it again. <laughs> and guess what? The boats begin to sink. Two boats nearly sink. And then that moment of Peter falling down before Jesus. And what did he say? He's like, Lord, get away from me. <laughs> I'm not the man. I'm not the man you want to be around. But I love that. And that's the kind of love that God has for every one of us. He's not phased out by any of our shortcomings. Amen? So when he said to, to the disciples, tell, tell everyone, we will meet in Galilee. It was, he was saying that this can't end in the grave, right? This can't end in the failure. There's something more that I got for all of you guys to do. And that's good news on all its own, right? But it's just amazing to know that God is not through with you, right? Devil, if you, you, if you could have killed you, he would have killed you by now, right? Testimony of your purpose, for you to know that the testimony of your purpose is the very fact that you are still here. <laughs> if God's not dead, you're, he's not done, right? We got a reason to celebrate. And I want to point out, these two words that really moved upon me. And I don't know, sometimes you're just reading the Bible and just two words pop out and just move upon your heart. Oh, Mark, look at this, 16, 7. We already read it, but 
I want to point this out. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, right there. And says, and Peter, and that really hit me hard. He's pointing him out. So the one who disappointed Jesus, right, most deeply, is the one he's singling out for redemption. And that gave me hope. It gives me hope for every person. I really just, how many times I've said somebody and I'm like, man, that person sucks. I'll just be honest. I'm like, he's so not pleasant to be around. I'm just being honest, okay? Sometimes I say honest things <laughs> from pulpit. And then later I'm like, somebody's going to record this. But it's okay. I'll be honest. But, you know, but it gives me hope for other people, for people that we would never thought, like, that could come to get to know him. It gives me hope that my name can be in there too. And Peter. And Vic. And Mark. And Matt. And everybody, put your name in there, okay? He says, I'm going back to Galilee because my life is not going to end in the grave. So go tell Peter to start practicing. Start practicing what? Practice preaching because I'll need him. Got to sing, I'll need him in 50 days at a day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down, right? I want the one who failed the greatest be the trophy of my triumph, right? Of my transformation, and I'm thinking there is someone here today, and I believe strongly in my heart, some of us may have made that decision, but I believe there's someone here standing over a grave of your own failure, okay? Not realizing that resurrection allows you to experience life. Yeah. Not through the lens of your failure, but through the lens of grace. God's grace. And God's grace is in this place. Amen? And that's very beautiful truth for Peter, right? But until it's personal for me and you, until we realize that, we will stay stuck in what God has called us out of. He called us to come out of our grave. He's like, I want you to come out of everything you've been putting in that grave, hiding those things away from everybody. God says, hey, it's not time. I want to get away from that shame. Get away from the dark places that are holding you back. And I believe the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart. He's prompting all of us right now. And Peter, and Kosti, and Lonnie, and Heather, and Janet, Karen, everybody. Put your name in there. God is saying, P.S. He's specifically singling us out and is telling you that I, I've paid the greatest price for you. You know, and I'm thinking, God, even if some person ends up in church that doesn't even want to be there, God is saying, hey, I'll meet you in the gallery, right? Because failure is not the end. I, I think, um, in fact, I want to point out that failure in our life a lot of times brings us to our needs. It brings us to realization, right? I believe failure is a hinge uh, um, on which the doors of God's grace swing wide open for us to experience his forgiveness. Amen? So God is saying, don't you see it, Peter? I called you by name. So it can't end frustration. It can't end in failure. And it can't end in fear. The final note you know, of the verse 8, it says, they were afraid. So often when we encounter uh, power of God, we will tremble. We might be afraid. 
<laughs> I love Pastor Mark's story when he was first in the, in the service. And he's like, he's in the middle of a bunch of people that are praying and everything like that. He's like, I like you, but I got to get out, right? <laughs> it's fear, first instance. And it's okay. Because there's something that comes over us when we're in the presence of someone who is greater than us. Okay? And it is wonderful. It's called the fear of the Lord. I view um, resurrection right now a little differently. I, I used to think that resurrection of God's, you know, resurrection of Jesus was God's exclamation point. Like, it is finished. You know, like, he is risen. Like, makes sense, right? But to me, I realized resurrection is more of a beginning. It's more of like three dots. You know what I mean? When you write it and it's like, dot 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 right so to see if your story is going to end here in your fear or will it end in the fear of the lord there's so much there's a big difference between what the the fear of this world and the fear of god it is two opposite things and i'm thinking but maybe fear is not the end but today fear is an invitation fear is the starting point of faith it really is and I'll bring some examples right now. In Mark's gospel, usually when it talks about fear, something comes afterward. There's like a pattern that occurs. Remember I said Mark writes his stories of Jesus with an action-packed version. So, and it's occurring throughout Mark's gospel. In Mark chapter 5, woman had an issue with blood. And, and she just said, she believed that if I could only touch Jesus' garment, I will be healed, Right? But then it's, it says that she fell in trembling, right? She fell in fear before Jesus. But fear was not the end. <laughs> fear was just the beginning, okay? And it says that she was healed. Right after this, a man named Jairus, whose little daughter died while Jesus was on the way to heal her. That's when actually this woman with the issue of blood actually interrupted him. But Jesus says, no. She's just asleep. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Okay? And I love that because God is saying, I'm going to overrule earthly principles of death. Okay? And the literal girl is not going to die because fear was not the end. I, but I can imagine Jairus feeling that fear. But see, that's what happens oftentimes is when this earthly fear dies, the fear of God steps in. That's the power of God moving in our life. One night, the disciples were on the boat, remember? And a great storm came upon them. And they were like, surely, we're going to die. But the Bible, and the Bible says that they were very afraid. Yeah. But the moment they felt fear, <laughs> Jesus spoke the word, right? One word from Jesus brought peace to that sea. Amen. First thing that shepherds encountered, they did not encounter faith. They encountered fear. When the announcement of Prince of Peace came from an angel, right? Yeah. See, we think that the presence of God is always going to make us feel comfortable. But they found their peace. But they found it in uncertainty and fear. Now notice, and the Bible also said that, notice that the present, the peace says is on earth, but is not of earth, okay? Because I don't want this plastic peace that comes from people. I like to point that out because I've learned that if the peace comes from people... People can take it away. Yeah. And I don't want the peace that comes from a promotion at work. 
um, from a race or coming from a convenient circumstances. I don't want the peace that comes from a feeling, okay? I want the peace that surpasses all understanding. And today, that's the kind of peace that God is offering you. It's the peace that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. Today, you can receive that peace. Amen? Come on. It's not worldly fear. It's the kind of fear that leads to repentance and salvation. Best explanation, I would say, is, you know, let's say if you're standing on the road and you get distracted or something like that. And then you realize, oh, like you have this fear that you're about to get hit and you jump out of the way. Right? That fear caused your salvation, kind of. Or if you saw your kid run to the road, that fear causes you to act, right? It's an action, okay? It moves you to do, to make a decision. So it can't end in fear. But fear is the starting point of faith. Fear is not the end. Look at this. Fear is the beginning. And I'm going to point this out. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is what? Is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we can like this. God's got more for us to do. He wants to meet us in Galilee. He wants to meet us in heaven with glorious, just, just glorious celebration. Amen? Because the stone has already been rolled away. God has already done all the work. The price has been paid. Amen? So your frustration, your failure... Your fear is not the end. God is going to use the one who knows their need for grace. I really want to point that out. When we understand that we need, his, we need that grace, this is where God operates in that moment. And that's what shows others what his grace is capable of. And so let's stand to our prayer. If we can have our worship team uh, come up, we will have children. I'm, I'm pointing it out. We will have children. Yes. Write it down. Thank you. Um, this is a resurrection moment for, I believe, for somebody. Um, it's even if you've given your life to Christ before, but I think um, God wants to do something today. He wants to take us out of the shame, um, sh you know, grave of religion, grave of fear. Uh, stone is rolled away. And I think it's my privilege, you know, for every Peter, Mary, Salome, whoever is here right now, to be able to come before the Lord. For every person who needs to experience the power of resurrection. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us if we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth, right, that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Even if you have to do with fear, right, with shaking hands like these women did when they were walking. Let's bow our heads. God, only you can take every mistake and turn it into a miracle. But it begins with our faith. For it is by grace we've been saved, Lord. It is a gift from you. But Lord, it starts with us admitting that we're sinners. Lord, we don't want to walk away here just like any other Sunday, just people as the world celebrating Easter. Lord, we want to walk away here, Lord, with life the resurrecting power of Jesus. Lord, right now we bring up everything before you. Everything that we've been hiding in our cave, in our tomb, Lord. Lord, we want to surrender that to you. Just imagine because 
I want to just bring this up real quick. Just keep your eyes closed if you could. Um, it says no one can stand before a living God because we would die, simply die because of how pure God is. And God is as if saying like, I don't want you to die, you know what I mean? I love you, but I can't, I'm just so pure and holy. So God does, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to stand in between a one sinless man. And I've said that before one time that I feel like Jesus is staying in between, holding the hand of God, that electric current, <laughs> and holding your hand on the other side. For God so loved me and you and everyone around us that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus became that middle man. If we can, just in honor of just everybody, it's not any kind of a magic prayer or anything like that, but it's a starting point. If we can just together as a church, just repeat this with me and keep your eyes closed if you could. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. And I thank you today for your son, Jesus. I believe he died to forgive my sins and rose again to give me life. I receive this new life. Make me a new creation. This is my new beginning. I'll follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.